if you're lucky or, or blessed enough to have people that you trust in the city that you're going to, definitely suggest doing whatever you can to pick their brain in a very open and honest way. Life is going great until one day you're out of work. No matter how it happened, you need to find a new job. Pronto. The problem is, no one ever taught you how to navigate the ever-shifting and ever-changing wasteland of applying for a job in the modern market. I'm Rob Conlon, and here on Recruiting Hell, I help people get jobs. I'm on a mission to help educate 10,000 job seekers on the best ways to get hired in the modern job market. No matter your field, this show is designed to help you level up your job hunting game and escape the many circles of Recruiting Hell. Step into my studio, and let's get you the hell out of here. This episode of Recruiting Hell is generously supported by our friends at CoinList, one of the fastest-growing companies in the cryptocurrency space. CoinList is hiring. Visit www.coinlist.co slash jobs to apply. Tell them Rob sent you. Hello and welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. During your job search, you may find positions in other cities around the country. Whether they're the next state or province over or clear across the nation, sometimes these opportunities can be just what the doctor ordered for your career search. But are they all they're cracked up to be? And what makes it worth the move across the country for an opportunity? We'll find out today as I invite Matt Fellhaber into the studio to tell us about his journey in taking a new position over 1,500 miles away from his home in the state of Wisconsin. Matt and I worked together at a fast-growing Inc. 5000 company between 2014 and 2018, and not only is he a brilliant marketing mind, he's also an amazing resource for you, the listener, because of his experience in moving long distances to pursue a new opportunity, which can definitely be something that may pay big dividends for you in your job search. Matt, it's a fantastic thing to have you here on the show. Welcome to Recruiting Hell, and thanks so much for being here to chat about what folks should do and look out for when they're considering re relocation for a job. Absolutely, Rob. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's so funny because a few years ago, I could not believe when you found a new opportunity 1,500 miles away, and you are going to pack up your entire family uh, listeners and, and Matt, I hope it's okay, but like Matt has six kids. It's not easy to get six <laughs> kids from point A to point B on a daily basis, much less move them all down to the Lone Star State to start his new career and put them all in new schools and things like that. So listeners, mind you, this guy is not only a crazy good marketer, but he's like super dad. And so Matt, let's start out with this. At the beginning of looking for jobs in another city, what made you look at this opportunity and say, let's go be Texans right now? You know, honestly, Rob, it, it obviously much more complicated than, hey, let's go be Texans now. And you're absolutely right. right. Even <laughs> taking six kids to the grocery store is, OK, how do we how do we run the optics on this? Because it is not easy. But, you know, um, I didn't wasn't thinking, hey, I wanted to be a Texan. I did find out that there are no state income taxes in the Lone Star State. So that was a kind of fringe benefit after the fact. But for me. It was, and I know you've probably gone over this in, in plenty of other episodes. For me, it was really kind of twofold. First off, um, I kind of hit the ceiling with where I could advance and being, you know, a driven and ambitious person, um, I, I, that I couldn't just, 
you know, stand pat anymore. And, you know, secondly, uh, the direction that, um, that the company was taking my career wasn't a direction that I wanted to keep going in. So, um, spent some time looking and at the end of a long and exhaustive search, um, the more interesting points we're going to be discussing here over the next few minutes, uh, that just happened to be the location, right? So, uh, obviously 1500 miles away is probably, I mean, you can't go a whole lot farther in this country and still be in this country. (laughs) Right. Yes. Um, at least north south. That's what it happened to be, you know. <laughs> Got it. So again, you mentioned that decision was not made lightly, and I remember at the time your, your kids were all pretty young, and it's really difficult to put people through that. You know, yourself, your spouse, and and all your all your family to put that through that. You know, schools and friends changing. So with the people issues aside, which we know are big, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about that later. How the heck did you start to look at making plans? to uproot and even move, again, 100 miles, much less 1,500 miles? Great question. And, you know, looking back at it, it, it I did this about two and a half years ago, okay? So I, have, I, have a, I can view things through the, the very clear 2020 lens that, you know, time mm-hmm. gives us. At the time, I don't feel like I was quite as, you know, dialed in on everything that I'm about to say. But looking back, I can kind of see that things followed a pattern. And frankly... As you know, everything has an opportunity cost, and I'm, I'm sure most of the people listening to that know know what that means. You can either do one thing at the ex- at the expense of something else. So, really, we had to, my wife and I had to sit down and have a very honest and open conversation, as much as we could understand it in the present, about what giving things up like family and the home that we've both come to know for 30 plus years and just the ties to the community, friends, the security that all of that brings. If you fall on hard times, you know, God forbid, you have, you know, you have a place to go, someone to call, people to commiserate with, just someone to have a beer with if you need to, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. And those are really, it, it probably sounds like an easy answer, but those are really important things to think about because when you move, and it's all, of course, in direct proportion with how far away you go, right? So if you're going, as you right. mentioned, 100 miles, the the extreme that the extremes that those will go to are much less. When you go 1,500 miles, they're much greater, right? So our our best friends, they can't, they've come to visit us once in two and a half years, and that was fantastic. But unless when we go back, we don't get to see them, and it's it's been it, those things are hard. Obviously, family and loved ones and friends and relationships, all of that kind of stuff needs to be weighed on the scales of what this change is going to bring beneficially to your family, whether it's financially, whether it's um, just situational, whatever it might be. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So again, the people thing kind of came back in there of you had to almost look at what it was going to cost you people-wise to make this career move. And that sort of, I guess, started triggering some of the like, okay, this is where where I need to look and this is the opportunity I need to take. Is, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the most important things and harder than I thought it would be was to get those loved ones on board with it. If they're on board, you're going to have the support all the way through. And when things get hard, you're not going to get that. I told you so conversation, which doesn't help anything. Yeah. You're going to get, you're going to get the support that you're going to need because Frank, frankly, moving is not the, the hardest part about moving Rob. Uh, obviously the job, all that stuff comes into play. The hardest part was Mm -hmm. the emotional toll that it just took on the family and personal life. And we needed to be, 
we needed to be very much prepared for that and you'll never be fully prepared. So don't ever think you are or you need to be fully prepared or anybody listening to this, I'm not going to do that because I don't feel like I am. Just like I've always told anybody who asked me about having six kids, if, if everybody in the world waited until they were fiscally, financially, and emotionally ready to have kids, the human race would have died out hundreds of years ago, right? You're, you're not going <laughs> to ever be totally ready, but you can get to a point where you feel like you're, you're, you're mentally in the, in the place where you can make a jump. Got it. So that actually, when you say making a jump, it brings us to our kind of our next question here. Cause you mentioned a phrase to me about a couple of weeks ago when we set this up where you said, looking is easy. Relocation is hard. And Matt, what does that mean? And what does that mean to our, our listeners when, when they should be considering uh, relocating for a job? Well, yeah, I mean, looking is looking is easy and I don't ever mean to downplay how difficult looking for a job may be, but I'm 41 and when I, you know, looked looked for my first couple jobs, there wasn't uh, really an internet to go and search on or a zip recruiter. Mm -hmm. You know, you I I opened up uh, the Kewaskum Statesman and found an ad for babysitting. And that's how I got my first, my first job and on a want ad. Right. So um, right. looking is much easier now because you have all these wonderful tools and phenomenal podcasts that teach people how to, you know, avoid pitfalls that other people have made. But the relocation game is it's absolutely, it's wild. Right. And there's just, you're never going to be able to prepare for everything, but the, the things that I, wish I would have had somebody kind of talk me through are things like where, how do you find the best, you know, the best neighborhood, right? Because everybody has their own opinion on it. I mean, how do you judge a good school district other than word of mouth? How do you, you know, one thing I never looked into and I alluded to that earlier were, were taxes. Um, I, I moved from a state where there's a, a state income tax and a federal income tax. And I moved to a state that had no state income tax. So I file one return every year instead of two, which is fantastic. But it is also what, what surprised me is that there's an incredible amount of other things that they throw at you, like um, municipal taxes and flood insurance and just incredibly high taxes to support the schools and everything. So at the end of the day, what you save over here, you pay over here. So if you, I would have loved to have known that when I was financially planning for this, I'm like, oh, well, here's going to be a significant savings that will allow me to possibly, you know, go a little bit higher in the house search than I could have without that. But now, um, you know, having not dove deep in deep enough into that, it, it was a bit of a rude awakening. Right. And honestly, the best way to get the unvarnished truth on where you're looking to move is the hardest thing to figure out. And if you're lucky or, or blessed enough to have people that you trust in the city that you're going to, definitely suggest doing whatever you can to pick their brain in a very open and honest way. Uh, because other things, Rob, just, just moving and how do you get all of your stuff 1,500 miles away? Well, you rent a pod. That sounds easy, right? Well, the pods come like one day a week and they drop off one other day a week and sometimes they get lost or moved around. And how do you... When we got here, we had to go to Walmart and spend $700 buying air mattresses and stuff because our pod was three days late. And no. are we going to sleep on hardwood floors? It, things like that, right? When you moved from Wisconsin to Texas, everybody in Wisconsin sells their houses with the appliances in there. No, it's very odd for that to be included down here. So 
ask those questions, right? Am I going to have a refrigerator and a stove and a dishwasher when I show up or am I, or am I not? Am I going to have to like, you know, put it in a cooler like it's 150 years ago? So my, my best f- suggestion here would be to think about absolutely everything that you go through in a seven-day week from waking up in the morning to making coffee to, you know, showering to going to bed at night and everything in between and whatever question you could come up with about just moving to some other house, some other place. And this is just, bef- we, we set the job stuff aside for now. This is just your life. Um, ask those questions and be prepared to handle them if a, if a curveball is thrown your way. Wow. And that is such a, well, again, you said set aside the job thing just for once, just getting life back on track, picking it up from one place and putting it to another I think is is just incredible. So I think that the summary to take out of that for for listeners, if you're looking to relocate for a job, is to investigate not only you know and find out wh- if where the neighborhoods are that you would like to be in or can afford to be in potentially that are safe that are correct um, hopefully prosperous things like that, but also checking out with your like municipal governments to say you know do you have this fee here or is this fee not present in this state so probably two big ones there again to get some some first round intel from the locals where possible and then also uh from the actual local government if it is so doing that doing that too is even when you're when you get to a point with your new employer that you are you know the everything's signed you know the ink is the ink is now dry start asking mm-hmm. some of those questions because now now you guys are in the now you're in the honeymoon stage, right? They love you. You love yeah. them. You haven't had to start performing yet. So start asking. That's a fantastic resource because they want you to come and they want you to be happy because you are go- a happy you is going to be a prosperous company. So use the resource of the people who live in the areas that you want to go to. I think that that's probably um, a, a great way to go to because they're now absolutely invested in your success because your success is their success. Right, and you work with a truckload of them as well, most likely, and they will probably, because they like you and they brought you there, shoot straight with you, which is great. So cool. So then my other question, Matt, is you had another great phrase from our our, our earlier (laughs) call on this, strategic vacation. What is strategic vacation? Everything I just said is all well and good, but you just, we had all the well and good from Houston, right? The Houston area, but there is absolutely nothing that can, you know, substitute you going there and being there. So in most relocation, actually pre COVID in most relocation situations, you're going to have at least one or two opportunities to meet at the company that you're going to be working for, especially if it's an in-person type of role. So as much as you can be um, in control of the timing of that is important. So what I tried to do is is have that have those meetings on Fridays or Mondays. Friday is always a good day because everybody's happy and ready to get out for the weekend. So you, you're yeah. put, you're casting a you're casting a somewhat rosier light on a Friday. But then what you do is you know you you fly down there usually on their dime and you may have a, a hotel night on their dime. So this is where the strategic thing comes in, and you just extend it for a day or two and spend the weekend there and drive around, you know, get used. I mean, 
the the freeways where where you and where you live now and where I used to live, they're they're two lanes at the most. I mean, there's eight <laughs> yeah. to ten lane freeways here, and there's freeways running on the side of freeways that you merge from one freeway onto another freeway. It's absolutely ridiculous. So I mean, most people may not be you know dealing with that, but there's all those little things that you're going to never consider until you actually experience it, right? And right. They say humid is, is or Houston is humid. That you can't, you can't. I can't describe to you what humidity is until you experience things like that too. Obviously, probably really? not a deal breaker in the job search, but you know those kind of things that just give you a feeling for what you're what you're going to be experiencing there. So, turn that into a strategic vacation. Bring your bring your significant other with you. Let them if they're coming with you. They you know they're going to want to feel comfortable with it too because the worst thing you want to do is uproot somebody who is no longer bought in on the on the plan once they experience yeah. the place they're going to got it and that's that's a really good point of, of i think the the uprooting part and sort of the hey let's fly down there or drive over there or wherever it might be you know that that probably to a number of listeners rings as something like rob that sounds kind of expensive matt that sounds kind of expensive and, and i want to ask this question to you matt is yeah. there a bare minimum that somebody who's looking to relocate should be looking for in a job as far as like salary and benefits wise, that makes sense. Obviously you can't relocate cross country for a job at Burger King or Arby's or something like that. That just doesn't work. But for those folks who are either looking to move to a new position, which is one of our goals on this show, either you're hired and you're tired of what you're doing and you're moving to a new one or get into that new position and get hired at maybe a level, what's kind of the bare minimum in your mind that people should be looking for, for, you know, what they're, what they're getting out of the deal? That's a great question, Robin. It's not there. In my opinion, there's not an answer that this answer is one size fits all. I mean, it is absolutely different for everyone. And it's also dependent upon the role that you're, excuse me, looking to take the, there's obvious ones. You, you, you probably need, some more money in order to take the job. But just in terms of the relocation process in and of itself is I I was very anal about keeping track of every expense that went into my moving costs. And, you know, you sit down Mm -hmm. and you budget for it and you think, okay, this is going to cost this. It's never the big things that surprise you. It's the, it's the death by a thousand cuts of little things that add up. And so some type of moving stipend is very helpful, even if it's, just if it doesn't cover your entire cost, it helps offset them is, is very beneficial. And honestly, vacation days, let me take a minute just to speak about vacation days. People that I know in HR, somebody who, you know, we used to work with and people that I work with now, oftentimes when you're, when you're close at the negotiating table, vacation days is the thing you can use as a bargaining chip to, you know, get, get, Maybe they're not going to give, uh, they're going to budge here, but they'll budge on, you know, another week of vacation or another couple days of vacation. And again, back to my earlier comment about, you know, the distance that you're going, the further you go, the more vacation time you're going to want, because that is very, very beneficial, not only just to recharge your batteries, but to have time to visit the people that you miss, like, like the Dickens, right? Oh, so and I mean, in our case, I can't fly eight people to Wisconsin for under like five grand. So we're going to drive, but it almost always takes two days. So, and it has two days back. So I have four vacation days killed just on the road, trying to stay yeah. sane while everybody is, you know, singing 99 bottles of 
Coca-Cola on the wall or whatever they're singing back there, right? <laughs> so va- vacation is something you really should focus on, especially if, you're, if your situation's even somewhat similar to mine. And the last thing and arguably the most important thing, in my opinion, is never forget that this is your life. This is your life. This is your future. This is your career, okay? Because as much as they may want you, if things don't work out, you're going to walk out that door and in five minutes, everything that was happening in that company will continue to happen just as it was, okay? You make a decision that is going to legitimately alter the future of not only yourself, but everybody that is coming with you and arguably people that you're leaving behind, right? So because it's your life, I would insist on having a short amount of time to make sure that this is the right role for you, whether that's the ability to work remotely to, you know, back and forth it for a little while. I did that for two months back and forth. Um, Mm -hmm. I was there Monday through Thursday, flew back Friday, spent the next week at home and then did that over again. Uh, another colleague of mine did a much more rigorous back and forth, um, that I probably wasn't going to be able to sustain, but in that time, you know, you, you find out if the if it's going to work because the last thing you want to do, to my point about this being your life, is uproot everybody, get there, and two weeks in, you're like, dear God, what did I do, right? Or yeah. there's <laughs> there's just that awful chemistry that is that is insurmountable, and now what, right? You're you've sold your house, you've possibly bought a house, and now now you're in this completely different city with with no real prospects, right? So because it's your life and your future, insist upon some time just to make sure that, you know, once the honeymoon's over, that things are going to continue to work out. Obviously, during that time, you're going to be planning. You're going to be listing your house. You're going to be, you know, looking at other places. You might go, you might spend time with realtors. All the planning, the move is still going to happen. You're not just going to sit on your laurels for, for that time and be like, okay, I like it. I'm going to start thinking about this now. They're probably going to want to get have a timeline from you, and that's reasonable. But that that timeline for me was two months, and that was fast. That was very fast. I bought a house and sold a house in two months, and I would if you could get three out of your future employer, that would be great. I'm not sure they're going to be, you know, that flexible with you. You know, now in the days of COVID, maybe they will be since a lot of things have gone digital. But that would be that would be a, a important. If you don't take anything else away from that, think along those lines. Got it. Okay. And I think that that kind of leads into the next thing here. So there's there's a lot of questions that you want to ask a prospective employer who's willing to, to bring you from out of town. I've had a couple interviews myself where um, I wanted to say one was in, in Houston itself. And it, it takes a lot to almost get an interview like that. When you're talking to these these folks in an interview, Matt, what are some of the obvious things you should ask them, but also some of the not so obvious things about the job or, uh, you know, kind of what's expected being brought in from afar. Sure. I mean, the obvious questions are things that we've talked about already. Vacation time. What is my salary going to be? One thing that I would, um, that I've noticed happens is you'll, you'll talk about things, you know, at the, at the negotiation table. Right. And, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's no, that's no problem. We, we do that. We can do that. It's not, Again, to my point about this is your life. It is this is this is a time when you get past the, hey, this is a nice office and oh, um, cool tie and you know when when clearly there's there's interest and an offer letter is in the offing, 
that there there is nothing wrong with politely and gracefully asserting what you need to know and asking some of those offhanded yeah that's included like as someone in your at your level could probably take friday afternoons off i'm just making this up right hey listeners we're going to take a quick break here for some of the business side of running a podcast these sponsors not only believe in this show but they may have a product service or even an open position that can help you end your job hunt give them a listen and drop by their websites in thanks for their help in supporting this show and your work search. Hey folks, it's Rob. A lot of times on this show, we talk about the power of networking to find a job. Well, networking is exactly how we wound up partnering with our newest sponsor, CoinList. So you're asking yourself right now, Rob, what is CoinList? Well, CoinList is a San Francisco and New York City-based technology company that provides investors with access to the most cutting-edge investment opportunities in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space. On CoinList, investors can access the best new crypto tokens before they list on other crypto exchanges, and it pays to be early in crypto. Now, right now, they have two special offers for listeners of Recruiting Hell. The first, as a Recruiting Hell listener, you'll earn $10 of Bitcoin when you create an account and trade at least $100 worth of assets on the CoinList trading platform. That's right, you heard me, free Bitcoin. Just visit www.coinlist.co slash recruiting hell to get started. The second is something that could end your time in recruiting hell altogether. Coinlist is hiring. You heard me right, Coinlist could be your next great opportunity for work. Excited about cryptocurrency? Got a passion for technology? Find Coinlist's open positions today at coinlist.co slash jobs. That's coinlist.co slash jobs. And when you do, be sure to tell them Rob sent you. We're back. A big thank you to our sponsors for their offerings, as well as you for considering them. On with the show. There's sure. nothing okay, wrong with saying, you. can you write that down? I need to get that in writing because most CEOs Ooh. are not intentionally deceptive but they're busy people you may have been the 27th person they've interviewed for this they may have just you know had to deal with the most awful thing that morning and they're trying to put a smile on their face for you when they're not feeling it on the inside and so getting getting those things in writing so that for you that may be something that was okay i needed this box checked and I'm going to say yes now. For them, it was like, right, that, that'll probably work out, no big deal. you know. And then you know, six months when that comes up, they're going to have no recollection of it. And then you're going to kind of look like a doofus, you know, feeling like you're you know, asking for something that you didn't already get. Another option, another thing to ask for that may not be as obvious to people. And, you know, I'm going to, the word I'm going to use is going to make it feel like it's a very, you know, high level corporate, you know, headhunter type of thing, but it's not is severance, right? So if you're going to move yourself to someplace far away and, you know, because most states are at will employment, if the owner gets, you know, has hiccups that day and decides that you're not the person that, you know, acid indigestion and you're not the person that they want anymore, again, you're, you're, you're left holding the bag. So what, what type of severance, can they give you as almost as gratitude for the move that you're making? Gratitude is probably not the right word because you should really earn everything that you get. But in proportion to how bad they want you is how much severance you can go for. Um, 
a trusted mentor of mine said, start at 12 months and see where you can end up. I'm not sure there's many places out there that would give you 12. <laughs> that would be amazing. Sure, sure. But uh, start there and meet in the middle somewhere, right? If you ask for one month, you will, you'll probably get one month, you know, so start, start high and end in the middle somewhere. And one other thing that it was kind of business parlance is if they're going to allow you to get some sort of moving stipend, ask for it to be grossed up. And what that means is, yeah, here's $10,000 to help you move. That sounds fantastic. But as we know, that's probably about 6,500 bucks when you're all, when it's all said and done. And so by the time, by the time that promise is made and all the decisions that you've made and when it actually shows up in a, in the form of a check or a direct deposit, you have probably in your mind thought about that 10,000 as 10,000 and you could possibly have made decisions that have impacted you detrimentally because of the difference between what, what uncle Sam takes and what you actually receive. So asking for money grossed up in this situation is a very common thing to ask for. So, and one final thing, Rob, if I, if I, if I may, is please do, please do Matt. These are great. Okay. Fantastic. Is, is actually probably two final things. One and this is this is probably for any type of role is why the why this role and why me and what i mean by that and i didn't probably phrase that right but is this a new role that you're creating for me or has you know are you replacing somebody else with me in this role because some sometimes that can give you some insights into what you're getting yourself into you know, uh, to use a Harry Potter reference, you know, the defense against the dark arts job every single year, you know, the person who was in it before failed. Right. So do you want to be do you want to be that that next instructor just set up to fail? Obviously, you don't. Right. And if that was a dumb reference, right. I'm sorry, but my kids would be happy. No, it's a great it. reference, man. It's totally great. So ask those questions. And then a great follow up is what does success for you in this role look like? Because obviously they're excited for what you're going to bring to the company. You're excited just to be there and bring everything. But um, what does that success look like? And ask that question just like this. What type of time frames can we commit to right here and now? And what I mean by that is, is uh, I experienced this at about day 45. You're kind of like, okay, the fire hose has slightly dialed itself back and they're looking at you like, why haven't you changed the world yet, right? So you're, you're like, oh my gosh, I right. might be able to start doing a good job now. And they're looking like, did we make the right choice? So that's kind of the, that friction point. So if you have timelines on, you know, it's going to take me two months to move here. Once I get there, you know, I have, I'm going to need three days off just to move into my house, right? And get my kids, you know, all the shots that, that weren't required in Wisconsin, but are required in Texas. That was a thing. And, really? And these, uh, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And huh. the, uh, the other type of deliverables, right? So at day 45, you know, we, we agreed 20 minutes into this, into this relationship that we were going to have these checkpoints. Now we're at this friction point. Let's, let's just go back to this and remember, here's where we are. And, you know, let's have a conversation if these, if these timelines need to change. Because that happens almost, especially if you're, if you're diagonally moving up, if you're, if you're at a role and you move to a higher role, I mean, I guess it's not diagonal, but if you're moving to a, a higher role in terms of more responsibility, yeah. there is that unspoken and sometimes spoken just desire to have you really make that impact. So you need, but you can't, you're going to make an impact that is, is going to be much less impactful if you don't have the time to get your feet underneath yourself. So that those would be the things that I would absolutely insist upon asking when you're, you know, 
kind of courting this rollout. And I think you make an excellent point there, Matt, about no matter what your level, and maybe even if you're not relocating, if you are stepping into a role that's that's a change for you, setting those expectations with your employer from the get-go, probably not a bad idea. You know, obviously you won't need time to move into a house or anything like that, but making sure that there's there's set deliverables and things like that for you know, most roles, I mean, again, sometimes frontline work doesn't really have this kind of flexibility, whether you're operating a cash register or flipping a burger or whatever it might be that doesn't quite have that. But at the same time, for jobs that, that maybe are a little bit more involved in the deliverables that are much less concrete than here is here is a cheeseburger and I have made this, that might be something to set out for anybody who is looking at a new role, which is just perfect. So great. Absolutely. And you know, you'll, pr- you may get some pushback like, Oh, jeepers, how are we going to set that now? Well, that that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Then, okay. You know what? I'm going to, we're going to go through all this and over, you know, next week I'll be back at home working from home as we figure this out. I'm going to start putting something together for you. And you know, how about a week from today we review it and you tell me how close to how close to what I've put together is what you want. And then you can you can start to build it, and you have that buy-in. You have that mutual. You're working on it together. So mm-hmm. there's never a point where they can say, this isn't what I wanted. Well, we built this together. So it is something that you know we're both invested in at that point. So you, you kind of continue the buy-in process by building it that way. Because there's not going to be everybody who's going to be able to say, okay, fantastic. You know, this is exactly what I want you to do once you get here. You know, it doesn't always work that way. Sure. <laughs> that's, that's fabulous. That's no problem. That's fabulous advice, man. All right, so in your last last answer, you mentioned something about severance. And I've always associated severance with the f- company you're coming from, not maybe the company you're going to, the place, you know, that the, they pay you to leave. We are severing it, we are paying you to leave, or whatever it might be. Besides, you know, kind of setting that up with your old company too, maybe. Maybe you can get both of those going. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, what, should you, what should you be doing when you're leaving a company? That's going to set you up for that position, whether it's down the street or a thousand miles away. That's a good question. And honestly, it's not my first and most, um, you know, poignant point would be while it's not always a hundred percent realistic to do this is don't burn any bridges or burn the, the, the least amount of them that you, you can, you possibly can. You don't want to torch the company in your exit interview, Um, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, I've lived long enough to know that relationships and people that I never thought I would, I hate to use the word need to, to deal with in the future, but really need to deal with in the future are, um, have come back and, and I was like, boy, I wish I would have handled my last interaction with those people better. It's not easy in every job, especially if you leave for a competitor, which is what I did. One thing that I that a former colleague of ours told me that was really good coping advice because I left mm. a company that, that I love the people that I worked for Absolutely. is when you leave a place, usually one of three things is going to happen. No one's going to care, which is, is a shame if that's the case. And it's probably a good thing you left or you're going to be deified or you're going to be muckraked. Right. And And both of those are ways of everybody who, you know, the void that you left gets filled in, right? So when you're deified, it's usually, you know, if you retire, you know, or have to leave for health reasons or 
God forbid you pass away, you know, and everybody rallies around all the good memories. If someone leaves and everybody's kind of left wondering why, you know, sometimes the, the opposite happens where, you know, well, this person, such and such and so and so, right? So being okay with that, knowing that the, one of those things may happen and understanding that ahead of time and being okay with, you know, possibly having 25 to 30 people defriend you, which happens, you kind of have to be okay with that mentally. Just like, you know, the conversation you sit down with your wife, how are you going to, you know, miss your friends, your family? How are you going to handle these kind yeah. of things? Um, that That's... That's um, another one of those, really. So obviously you want to keep in contact with your connections at HR because something is going to happen where you're going to need, you know, some type of, you know, check stub or, yep. uh, you know, did you get paid out on your two weeks? Be a, be a good evacuee. Offer them the two weeks. Offer to help, you know, bridge any gaps that you can. They may kindly say, I appreciate that, but no thanks. Or they may say, dear God, thank you so much. We need that. They may try to save you. And, you know, that's, that's probably a topic for another podcast. But frankly, one other thing, you know, that probably isn't thought about is ask your new employer how they would suggest you handle any potentially uncomfortable conversations that you foresee. Because, you know, then uh, obviously it demonstrates the buy-in that you have with the new company. And God forbid, the absolute worst thing that could happen is you could tender your resignation, but do something so unintentional yet awful that the new company's like, you know what, we can't have you either. And now you're like, oh boy, what do I do, right? So lean on them and their HR department to help you through anything that may, you may have just, you may have a, a very, you know, yellow brick road leaving the company, or you may have, you know, you may have some road bumps. If you foresee any of those, go to them and say, okay, I think this could be a question I get asked. I think this could be a point of, you know, contention. I might have, you know, whatever it might be, uh, you know, a non-compete, an NDA. How do I work through these kind of things? And then, you know, you don't want to tend your resignation and all of a sudden find out that the, the new company who wanted to hire you can't because of something that you weren't aware of or something that you did. Gotcha. And I was actually, I'm actually really glad you mentioned non-competes and NDAs because that was something that uh, when I left that particular job that you and I were, were at for a while, you know, I had a, a non-compete for two years, just expired this past January. And I was curious as to what your advice to folks would be surrounding non-competes and things like that as far as is there a price at which they make sense or don't make sense? I get very uncomfortable with anything that... I would even consider doing that would be gray, uh, you know, crossing, you know, being in the gray area when it right. comes to doing anything, you know, ethically or, or legally. So obviously I think the, the one thing to, that would, you should do, especially if you're with a company that you're with for a long time, you may not remember what you signed six, seven, eight, nine years ago. How do you, you find, find out if you have something like that? first so that all of a sudden it doesn't come up and bite you you know when it's you know when it's crunch time right yeah. so find find out if you have one of those and then ask somebody that you trust how you know how to handle it i mean i you know we've all probably heard that you know what is it not an nda but a non-compete or some of the you know aren't really yeah. worth the paper that they're written on but you know i take that stuff seriously and obviously you did as well so 
Um, and not of us, not a lot of us, you know, have our, you know, daughters or sons married to lawyers who could, would fight that pro bono for you. Right. So find out what exists and find, find that stuff out and obviously try to do it in a way where you're not being nefarious, but you're not obviously tipping your hat at what you're looking for because a company that, you know, determines that you're on the way out sometimes will speed you in that direction faster than you want to go. Right. So be careful would be my advice there. Definitely. And and I think that there's, there's something to be had there. And, and when your NDA is kind of tied to your, your severance from an old company, that can be a real challenge for people to work through too. So you have to make the, the balancing act of is X number of months worth of things being fine and being smoothed over while I look for a new position worth shutting up about it for X plus 10 number of months or whatever it might be. And I think that that's on everybody to say, what's what's it worth to me because you know when i had mine it was worth it because it helped bridge that gap but other folks might not have that uh that leeway if you will and may need to you know choose to not have a severance that especially if they're tying it to an nda from a company right exactly if you have like a a year 18 month type of um restrictions on you but you're you're paid for you know not even a tenth of that time that may not be that may not wash with you. So if, right. if the more time they want, the more severance you should probably probably be able to ask for. Sure thing. Good deal. Yeah. Well, Matt, anything else you should get from your former employer before bouncing across the country? <laughs> or uh, honestly, you know, all the traditional stuff is. You know, I, I've been trying to like extract the gems that I wish I would have known or the mistakes that I've made or the, you know, the things that I'm very grateful that I actually thought of asking, but obviously, you know, letters of recommendation, if you're leaving on a high note, LinkedIn endorsements from not just your, your, your bosses and stuff, but the the people that you worked with, you know, like, for example, you know, you and I work together, you writing one for me would be fantastic because it's often um, the, the, the coworkers don't have to, you know, blow sunshine, like maybe, you know, some leadership person who promised on your way out that they would. Right. So, right. Those, those are, are beneficial. And honestly, keeping the relationships in the company yeah. that you had alive can be very beneficial, right? Because there may be a point in the future where you're like, this, this person is not what they need is not something that I can provide, but John absolutely can. And you know what? You and I both live in an, an abundance mindset and putting good out into the universe right. and into the world is going to come back to you. So you know what? Sending them that is arguably one of the best things that you can prob- you can do for yourself as well as them, right? So keep those relationships alive as, as I mean, not, not to a point where it's awkward or you feel like you're, you know, digging for information on what is going on there. That'll, that'll definitely sour things quickly, but yeah, happy birthday texts and you know, likes and shares on Facebook, those kind of things other people see and they, they cost you nothing. They take no time, but it leads to opportunities in the future. So don't, don't burn any of those bridges. Like I said earlier. Awesome. Well, Matt, I'm going to turn it over to you for just a little moment here. Is there anything else in your mind that people should know about long distance relocation for work for either a new job or, or transferring to something different is there anything we didn't cover in our conversation? Because I'm, I'm plumb out of questions, good sir. <laughs> there's, there's one thing, and it's more about the it. move and less about the job. You will thank me for this. If you move and it's a significant distance, plan mm-hmm. 
as much as you can with those that you love, visits one every two to three months for the first 18 months you're there because you have about two months of honeymoon. You're almost on an extended vacation. Things are new, bright, and shiny. And after that, it hits you like a Mack frickin' truck, man. It hits you hard. And right about those times, if, you, if you're looking forward, you know, like kids would look forward to Christmas. If you're looking forward to mom and yeah. dad coming down, it is... It is almost a breath of life for you and the family. So uh, while, you know, it's you probably won't be maybe if you can, that's fantastic. Afford to bring all these people to visit you. Um, It may it's in my case, it was it's always cheaper for people to come than me to take everybody there. But if it's you know, if it's not, if it's all the same for you, you, you know, go back for an extended weekend once every two to three months or, you know, have you know, your in-laws come in three months and then your parents come in three months and then your, you know, siblings come. And even if it's, you have nothing planned and there's no reason those breaks for you when you're so far away from things that matter to you and things that you've loved and known your whole life are absolute godsends. So if your move is like mine was, is, is very distance, you know, is distanced from where you were, um, you you have to do that, and of course that the, the preface to that is that you need the buy-in from the people that you're leaving, and you know that buy-in can be part of. I need, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be moving in November 9th. Let's look for flights around Valentine's Day, you know, and then you know we'll sure. we'll go out as, you know, we'll my wife and I'll take you guys out, and we're gonna have a, a great dinner because by then we're gonna find a great steak restaurant, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a nice long weekend. You'll get to see your grandkids and stay as long as you want because. Just having you there is is that little bit of home that we really will need by that point. So, while that's not much work related, it is it, it is your mental health. Which if you don't have it, you know work is work isn't going to matter anyways. That's right. Then uh, that's a great support of it's in support of work more than anything, which is outstanding. exactly exactly. And a good Excellent. company will recognize that you need that kind of stuff, which is you know also beneficial. Definitely. All right, Matt. Now there are three questions at the end here that I'm asking everybody this season. Uh, they're kind of rapid fire. You can ha- leave them as one word answers, or you can go in depth a little bit more. If uh, if you do choose to do a one word answer, just go one word, blank, whatever it might be. All right. So, yep. Again, kind of a lightning round, kind of not. So, can I phone a first phone? one? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I love it. I love it. Regis isn't here. Uh, but so, oh, Matt, yeah. what is the number one thing? that you think is wrong with the modern job search? The best rules aren't on ZipRecruiter. They're not on Indeed. And often they're not even advertised. You need to know somebody who knows your value, what you can bring, who will vouch for you when the role that you're looking for is bandied about in a meeting sometime. You know what? That person would be great for this. I know him. Let me give him a call. And all of a sudden you have a connection to something really great that would never have been posted or that you would have been fighting 726 other people for. I think that's the biggest problem right now. And maybe it's not a problem, but it's just something you have to, it's, it's not insurmountable, but it's something you have to be aware of. Definitely. Great answer, by the way. Next thing. Thank you. What's the one, of course, what's the one thing you've seen with the modern job hunt that everyone doesn't do that they should be doing? You have to be, you have to be so unique to break through the clutter. I mean, you, you have to, you have to do something, especially if you're looking for a role and you know who the hiring 
or you, you know you know where to go with that, you need to be creative. Um, do I have time for like a two-minute story on that? Go for or it. Or is that breaking all the rules? Okay. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, I was looking to hire a copywriter, and this person uh, communicate the, the HR communicated with them that I was the hiring person. I have a unique last name, so I'm not that hard to find. Um, right. They, they, they found out where I love to go for coffee when I used to live in Wisconsin. They ordered that coffee and had it shipped to the company for, you know, for me saying, I've, I found out about this, about you. I'm really excited in this role. Could we talk? I was wow. absolutely floored. And you know what? How much work did that take? I mean, really five, 10 minutes, you know, once they figured it out and then they had to have it shipped, you know, so five, 10 minutes and 25 bucks. And this person was at the absolute top of my list right away. Right. So what is your, um, what is your way of breaking through the noise like that? Got it. We actually coined a phrase for that back in episode 39. Ooh. It's called micro networking. It's finding the one piece of a potential hiring managers persona or their experience. That is the literal Achilles heel to their opinion about you. That opens it right up. And they oh, say, I love it. Wow. That guy talked about that. I should really talk to that person. Matt, did that person get that job? That person was incredibly unqualified, unfortunately. But oh I, no! I, yeah, I, I what I did find myself, and I was I knew you were going to ask me that. So what I did find myself doing was almost trying to find something else, or excusing a lot of the the red flags that I found because of the the step that they took. But at the end of the day, you have to be you know a good steward of the role that you are placed in and make the right decision. But I would have. I probably would have settled a bit more for that person than I would have for anybody else because of that. N never consciously, because that would be wrong. But subconsciously, I probably, you know, would have excused a few more things than I would have normally, you know? Got it. Well, again, a, gr a great, in practice, per it, it's a great piece of networking knowledge. Perhaps it wasn't quite implemented perfectly there for that role, but had the person matched up the two, might have been exactly. a slam dunk for them. That's awesome. Exactly right. All right. Last little question here, Matt. What's your number one LinkedIn tip? My number one LinkedIn tip is going to piggyback on what I just said is don't limit yourself to LinkedIn. Is there, you, there's so many more ways to network right now than just with LinkedIn. If you limit yourself to LinkedIn, it's, I mean, the messages, the, the frequency at which I get messages from LinkedIn right now are almost like, you know, pop-up ads on, on Windows 95. They just, they're, 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 go away, go away, go away, go away, go away. And it's, it, and that's probably, you know, something that I need to work through, but don't limit yourself. Find out about the people that you want to work with in the company with every social media tool that you have out there. Don't obviously LinkedIn is incredibly important, but these other ones are, can be just as beneficial. Nobody knows that I love that a coffee shop on paradise drive in West Bend through LinkedIn but they sure as heck found it out through, you know, Instagram and Facebook, and that's got them an interview they probably wouldn't have had anyways. So if you're a job searcher, don't link, limit yourself to that. And gone are the days where it would be creepy to stalk the person that's hiring you. Obviously, it's not stalking when you are coming armed with a discussion point that they'd want to talk about. And who, who, what's everybody's favorite topic of discussion? Themselves, right? Themselves, so you're, you're, yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Or their kids. Yep. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, Dale Carnegie said in um, in the, in his book that how to win friends and influence people that it's the, the, mm-hmm. the most glorious word to anybody's ears is their own name, right? So Bingo. you know, use use that name, use use what you found on LinkedIn and everywhere else, just to give yourself that incredibly, as our uh, old employees to say, unfair advantage in the in the job search, and and you're you're well ahead of everybody else just by doing a little bit of extra effort. Absolutely perfect, man. Could not fit, find a better way to kind of tie that off right there with that LinkedIn cool. fit. Excellent. Well, Matt, that brings us to the end. And thank you so much for coming on the show and helping us kind of understand what the process is to pick up the stakes from one place and move across a country and kind of avoid some of the pitfalls. Uh, hopefully we can avoid some of those challenges thanks to your time here. As it is the end of the show, if folks did want to find out more about you, follow you on social media, where would they look, Matt? Uh, you know, just to sort of co- counterband what I just said, I'm on LinkedIn and shoot me a message there, Matt Fellhaber. Um, I'm sure my, the spelling of my crazy last German last name will be in, you know, the notes of this podcast. <laughs> and um, I'd be happy to have any follow up questions or if you ever, you know, need to expand on any of these topics in the future, Rob, I've really enjoyed our time together. Definitely, Matt. Well, thanks again for swinging by. It's been an absolute pleasure having you down here in recruiting hell, my friend. And to thank you for sitting in the hot seat today. Absolutely. As we draw this episode to a close, remember, you are worth more than your work. Your value to society is not dictated by what you do to pay your bills. Job hunting is difficult, no matter your age, gender, location, or background, and it's both acceptable and to your benefit to seek every bit of help in conquering this challenge. For more from Recruiting Hell, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player or our YouTube channel. And don't forget to leave a review of the show if your podcast platform allows it. It's tremendously helpful. Connect with Rob via LinkedIn. Be sure to visit recruiting-hell.com to subscribe to our newsletter. And of course, follow the show all across social media. Just look for the orange and blue flame logo. Recruiting Hell is a production of Westport Studios and is proudly made in Wisconsin. Lastly, be sure to visit and support our sponsors. They make it possible to do this show and make it better every single week. Remember... Your job hunt is a marathon, not a sprint, and Recruiting Hell will be here to help you keep pace. Thanks for listening. Hey folks, it's Rob. Are you looking for a new opportunity in an up-and-coming industry that can help you get out of recruiting hell? CoinList, one of the fastest-growing companies in the cryptocurrency space, is hiring. That's right, they not only support this show because they believe in it, but they believe that there's great talent to be found in this audience. Generous comp, great flexibility, incredible benefits, a strong culture, and a powerhouse team sound like a fit for you? Head to www.coinlist.co slash jobs and apply today. That's www.coinlist.co slash jobs. And be sure to let them know that you found them here on Recruiting Hell.